goodness gracious, I'm just like, I'm, yeah, that would be the word. So, wow, where do I want to start, Lord? Let me say this first of all. Do you, you know how I know God is good? Because I see all of you here. God created you all. That tells me he's good. Right? What more can we ask for? Than to understand right now who he is. So I have a question for you. Who is God? God is love. He's love. He's Abba. Can everybody see that okay? He's our everything. What does that mean? Where is God? So where is God? In us. Ooh, wow, I'm getting to the end of... I only got three pages left on this one. I'm going to have to get another one. I actually have another one. There are two views primarily in the Christian community today about God. The evangelical community has God up here and us down here. Right? How do we connect to God if that's your view? Do good. Works. Pray. Read your Bible. Repent. Let's repent on this concept. Sin conscious. How well do you get to know that God? Why? Because you're never quite good enough. He's a moving target. It's true. It's based on what we do. Maybe today he'll love me if I do this or if I don't do that. So morality and behavior become extremely focused here. That's my phone. Sorry, guys. You got it, Carol? All right. I did not expect God to call like that. <laughs> you know why he's calling, don't you? you know, do you know why he's calling? He's calling to tell me that this is wrong. But this is what I grew up with. I grew up in an extremely legalistic church. And I was always waiting for the lightning bolt to hit. I ran from that God when I was 20. I found a different version of God when I was 36 in the charismatic movement. But do you realize that didn't really change in the charismatic movement? And for those of you who don't know, I'm in my last of a seminary program. I'm in my last class this week. I got, I got three hours of lecture left and a book to finish and a term paper to write. And I have had an awakening, if you would, to the fact that God, 
the Trinitarian perspective of God, and for those of you who are not familiar with that term, the early church fathers were Trinitarians. For the first 400 years, this God did not exist in church history. This God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one, connected but separate, interrelated, living out of a heart of love, giving, 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 never taking. And depending on which one of these views you listen to today, send me a hundred bucks, I'll get you ten, I'll get you a thousand back. Because it's about what you do. Versus, I'm not after your money. I'm after us being together. And so man, in this Trinitarian philosophy, fits in here. This, this theology of the Trinity. And the difference is, in this version, God comes so that we can invite Him into our heart. In this version, Jesus came to invite us into His. And it messes with your brain. Because it isn't supposed to be figured out there. It's supposed to be experienced in your heart. Which is here, Scripture says. Here. And so healing becomes an issue of what do I have to do to posture myself versus what Jesus has already done to make it known to me. And how many know that's hard? This is hard to figure out. This is this God out here, me here, down here position is I'm always looking for healing up here, never quite grasping it. God here, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I already have it in me. So that means I have the fruit of the Spirit in me. I have peace in me. When my emotions start going haywire, Jesus, I have your peace. I have your patience. I don't have to pray for patience. I have patience. How many times would you go over here and pray for patience and your world would explode? Because you were expecting things to happen. How many times were you told, don't pray for patience because that's the last thing you want to pray for because everything will go wrong to test you. But over here, I already have patience because who is the author of patience? Jesus. Yeah. Now, where's the Father? In us. Where's the Son? In us. Where's the Holy Spirit? In us. And I can prove it to you. Take out your Bible if you have one. Go to John chapter 14. John 14. Go to verse 11. You see, if I think God is up here and I have to extend outward to get Him, then I'm always asking God to come down. Right? God, come down. Send your healing. Send your rain. Come, Holy Spirit. (laughs) 
And then repentance becomes, I'm so sorry. And it's an altar call every week because I never feel like I'm quite there. But look at John chapter 14, verse 11. What's it say? Gosh, you are also quiet tonight. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Where's the Father? In me. Who's me? Jesus. Where's Jesus? All right, now drop down to verse 20. What's it say? So where's the Father? In me. I am in my Father. Jesus is where? In the Father. And then Jesus is where? He's in me. So if Jesus is in me and he's in the Father, then the Father has to be in me. Where's the Holy Spirit? Jump back up to verse 16. And I will pray to the Father and he, that, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Verse 17. He dwells with you and he will be in you. It's not come Holy Spirit. It's Holy Spirit, thank you. You're here. You ever seen one of these before? What do they call these? Nesting eggs. Father has all of us, right? Who's in Father? Jesus. Who's in Jesus? Father. Who's in Father and Jesus? We are. Who's in us? Holy Spirit. You can do this in different combinations. But verse 14 says, Holy Spirit's in us, right? Or verse 16, was it? And we're in Jesus. And Jesus is in the Father. And the Father's in Jesus. You see, this is a whole lot different visual than Dad's out here and I'm trying to touch him. I'm totally enveloped in Dad. And Dad's totally enveloped in me. It's one of those mysteries of faith. So where you go, Abba goes. Where you go, Jesus goes. Where you go, the Holy Spirit goes. Which means the gifts of the Spirit of God are with you always resident because He's here. And so when He says, give that lady a ride home, you know. Go lay hands on so-and-so. You know. Have a Friday night praise, worship, and celebration night, and I'll bring healing. Thank you, Lord. Because he wants to show himself. And so we have this God who is just so awesome. And he says in 3 John 2, Beloved, go to 3 John 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. 
Let me ask you something. If I always think dad is out here and I've got to reach out to dad, am I ever going to be sure I'm going to find dad consistently? No. So how can my soul prosper? I'm going to struggle making sense of life. And if I'm struggling making sense of life, and if my soul can't prosper, how well can I walk in health consistently? It's hard. Because the health flows out of the prosperity of the soul, out of the prosperity of the heart. Health flows that way from the inside out, not from the outside in. And so there's a difference between reaching up and trying to grab the brass ring of healing versus going, oh, Dad, thank you. Your healing power is already at work in me, calming my soul, bringing life to my flesh. Every cell of my body responds to the light of Christ in me. Because another word for sickness is darkness. And what does John 1 say about Jesus? He's the light. And what happens to the light when we, and in relationship to the darkness, when we're focusing on the light? The darkness goes, I can't handle it, I'm out of here. Right? Now, just as an example, exactly an hour and a half ago, I took a step, I was taking a sign downstairs, and an hour and a half ago, I missed the bottom step. And I jammed my knee. We were over here worshiping. I'm not even focusing on my knee. And all of a sudden, it starts releasing. And there's almost no twinge left at all now. An hour and a half ago, it was like, God, you need to do something because I'm like hurting. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he does. You see, when I realize that, that God is in me, the healer is in me, I don't have to beg and plead. I just have to relax and receive. It's not begging and pleading. It's praising and worshiping. That's why this is worship, praise, and healing night. Because as we worship and we praise, our soul just opens up. And the darkness flees. We all have darkness in our life. Do you know Jesus came to invade the darkness? He's not embarrassed by the darkness. He's not ashamed of our darkness he goes guys when I came to earth I stepped into darkness when I went to the cross I took the darkness I didn't do it as God I did it as man this is you know, God blew my mind with this this week and I'm going to blow, hopefully blow yours in a good way <laughs> if perfect love casts out fear if Jesus never ever ever came as a human how would he know what fear was Because he could never have experienced fear because he's perfect love. So he had to come as a human to experience fear. He had to come as a human to experience shame so that he could step in our, our darkness and go, I've been there. I know what that's like. I got this. Rest in me. Don't reach for the brass ring. I am the brass ring. And as the merry-go-round goes around and we want to grab that ring, he goes, no. Just put your arms in and relax. Enjoy. Enjoy the dance. You see, because Trinitarians talk about it's a circle dance. 
perichoresis, the circle dance. We are in a dance relationship with Dad and the Son, our, our brother Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. We're just all dancing and enjoying life. Do things happen? Absolutely. Does that mean he's caused it? No. When I can't sense his presence, does that mean I need to strive to get there? No. It just means I need to take a, a breath and relax. Our God is so good. He's so awesome. And this is not a new concept. The early church fathers, that's what they taught. That's what they believed. The, the concept of God, the God of retribution, the God of the lightning bolt, didn't hit the scene until about 400 A.D. And then it just perpetuated. And it got worse from there. And it robs you of joy. It robs you of peace because you never know if you're good enough. But as I said to you earlier, I know God is good because I see you. He doesn't create junk. He doesn't turn his back on anyone. He never has. This whole thing, this whole philosophy of, of God, the morality, the, the, the God of retribution, the God of judgment, the God of punishment says that when Adam sinned, God went, yeah, I'm walking away. And Jesus had to come and appease an angry father. And as I've said, and I always say, if you believe that, how do you deal with the fact God was talking to Cain after he murdered Abel? Because if God can't be around sin, they're having a conversation. And how do you deal with the fact God took Enoch into heaven. If man is sinful and God can't be around sin and Jesus hadn't come yet, how did Enoch make it into heaven without dying? How did Elijah make it into heaven without dying? I mean, Elijah was a mess, guys. <laughs> he was a mess. Woe is me, God. I'm the only prophet left. <laughs> I mean, think about it. We have these contradictions in, the, in this whole concept of God of the retributive justice. There are such contradictions. You better live by the Ten Commandments. But God, you said that that was for the Jewish people. And on top of that, Jesus came and fulfilled it. So I'm still supposed to live under the Ten Commandments? No. But you see, under this... Under this philosophy or belief of God or theology of God, whatever term you want to put there, your behavior, God is keeping track of. Right? But over here, under Trinitarian theology, God is at work in us and our behavior naturally changes. I don't make my behavior change. I respond to Him and it changes. I don't have to expend the energy. It's a natural outflow. And then healing becomes the natural outflow. Because he's here. And he's, he knows every cell of my body. And as we talked about on Sunday a few weeks ago, he knows the DNA code of every cell of my body and he can change the DNA code like that. And he does. Because DNA is not static. It's changing. Science is proving that. And so the, the question then becomes, where do you fit? Where do you want to fit? Look at, take a look at Psalm 91 a minute. 
and go to verse 16. With long life I will satisfy him, meaning you, and show you or him my salvation. What's long mean? More than short. In the Hebrew, it means a physical length of time. It means forbearance. It means self-restraint. It means patience. And then if you combine that with life, the word life there means day, time, year. With a long day, time, and year, I will satisfy you. I will give you patience in the midst of that. I will teach you self-restraint in the midst of that. And the word satisfy means to be satiated, to be fulfilled, to have one's desires filled and fulfilled. So he, with a long life, he wants to show you and satisfy the desires of your heart. And he wants to give you his salvation. And the Hebrew word is Yahshua, Yeshua. Who is your salvation, your deliverance, your welfare, your prosperity, your victory? That's in the Old Covenant. How much better in the New Covenant? Go with me over to Psalm 103 a minute. We touched on this a couple weeks ago, but I want to take it a little deeper. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. The word forget means to not ignore or to cease to care about. So when he says, I am your healer, isn't that one of the benefits? So he says, don't ignore that. Don't cease to care about that. What does that look like? Jesus, I thank you that you give me health. I thank you that in the midst of this physical struggle of the moment, you're pouring out life. It's not, oh, please, please, Jesus, come and heal me. It's thank you that you're already working on it. And how many of you know, from what we've been teaching even on Sundays here, when your focus is on Jesus, what happens to the cell gates of your, or the gates of your cells in terms of receiving the hormones for healing and and the signals for healing? What happens when you're focused on Jesus? They open up. But if you're fretting about sickness and disease and about the state you're in, they close off. And so you do more damage than you do good. Then, if you take a look at verse 3, who forgiveth all my iniquities and healeth all my diseases, this is out of the King James, forgive means to pardon and to be forgiven. He's pardoned you. Not one iniquity remains because he's pardoned you. So how can that be an impediment to health unless you make it one? Unless your brain preoccupies with your shortcomings. Look at um, diseases, sickness. He has pardoned your iniquities and healed your diseases. It doesn't say, except this one. Except that one. All. And verse 4, who redeems my life from destruction, who crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies 
And the word redeem there is, is the reference to the kinsman redeemer that you read about in Ruth. He's our kinsman redeemer. Who does the redeeming? Him or you? Do you have to make atonement for your mistakes? No. By gosh, you better confess every one of your mistakes, every one of your sins, every one of your thoughts, and every one of the thoughts that you don't remember thinking. And then maybe, if you haven't forgotten one, he'll bless you. Right? Yeah, no. Who satis- verse 5, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles. What's renewed mean? Made new again. Repaired. Strengthened. And there's been a few of us in this room who've gone through some things the last 18 months where he's renewed parts of our bodies. One part at a time. But you know what? It's okay. Because it's renewed. Right? Wow, Jesus, you're just good. Is this making any sense? Go to James chapter 1. Verses 16 and 17. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Do you know what the word deceived there means? To cause to stray, to turn or bend away. So don't stray from the fact that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. And by the way, where's the Father of lights? In us. So where does every good and perfect gift manifest? In us. I'm going to read out of the mirror. I'm going to grab a mirror a minute. I'm going to go to John chapter 1 out of the mirror. I am not ashamed of being a Trinitarian at this point in my life. Just so you know. I'm not ashamed to say that I have left my evangelical roots. Because I have. John chapter 1 out of the mirror. I'm going to jump to verse... Verses 1 through 5, and then I'm going to jump to 16 and 17. To go back to the very beginning is to find the word already present there, face to face with God. The word is I am. God's eloquence echoes and concludes in him. The word equals God, and that's a reference to Jesus. So the word that is is Jesus echoes and concludes in him, and that word is already in you. The beginning mirrors the word face-to-face with God. In verse 3, the Logos is the source. Everything commences in him. He remains the exclusive parent reference to their existence. There is nothing original except the word. The logic of God defines the only possible place where humankind can trace their genesis. Verse 4, his life is the light that defines our lives. And verse 5, the darkness was pierced and could not comprehend or diminish this light. What happened to the darkness at the cross? Bye-bye. Because the light was released in us and penetrated. It wasn't released when I said, Jesus, come down. It was released when Jesus said, come up. Come in to my heart. Now go down to verse 16. 
He, Jesus, is the source of my completeness or our completeness. Everyone may now realize his or, own, his or her own completeness as evidenced in him. This is grace where no grace was due. In verse 17, the law was given through Moses. Grace, grace and truth were given through Jesus Christ. You live in grace, not the law. Erase this memory bank. Erase the retributive God who's out to get you. Release the concept that God turns his back on you because he can't turn his back on you because that would be to deny that he's in you. It's pretty hard for God to turn his back on you when he's inside of you because if he tries, what's going to happen? He's just going to spin around. Right? So, we're going to do some more worship and then we're just going to let God speak to us and minister as he pleases. I hope that helps open up your heart for this next segment of worship. <laughs> 